Screen West Screen with Paul and Kevin, where if films were food, they'd be full of it. Welcome back to another normal episode of East Screen, West Screen. Um, this is episode 88 for, what is the date? It is Saturday, November 5th, 2011. And if it sounds like we're a bit flustered, it's because we are, because we're not no- recording at our normal time, but we're struggling to get a show in nonetheless. And this is the show where we bring you films from Hong Kong to Hollywood and some other stuff in between, but I don't do it alone. Uh, the voice you hear rustling on the other side of this virtual line is Mr. Kevin Ma. Hi, everybody. Hi, Paul. How are you doing? How are you doing, Kevin? I, I'm good. Uh, a little worn out from the Asian Film Festival, but uh, still still alive. Yeah, nice. you've uh, been moving and shaking between work and, you know, li- literally dozens of movies, right? Oh, yeah. But uh, finally, it's coming to an end in a couple of days. I mean, um, it'll be pretty sparse for the next two weeks or so. I have family come to town and the festival is just about wrapping up um so you know it's look future's looking good yeah but we still have quite a few f- regular films coming out in general release over the next uh few weeks we've got some holiday films from hollywood we've got some holiday films for hong kong and it looks like it's gonna be uh you know busy until year's end right that's sorry it's gonna be pretty uh busy i think at least one movie a week one hong kong movie a week and till at least december 1st when you have magic to win uh and then of course when you hit mid-december you got the big things like i think trey hart's film will be opening um i'm not sure about any of the other two big chinese ones will be opening at the same time but you will be at least getting the trey hart 3d film so that's gonna be big Mm. yeah and we we, um we'll probably be on a little bit of a break during the december period because uh i'll be away for the about two weeks for the holidays, um, but we will try to compile a bunch of episodes before that happens, and uh, got some pretty good feedback from our last special episode, our Halloween episode, and uh, a couple people asking us to maybe do another one, so I'm thinking maybe around Christmas time, a little movie called Virtual Recall? I don't know. Woo-hoo. We'll have to see how that goes. Um, but we are here to talk about some other stuff this week. Uh, what films we got lined up this week, Kev? Uh, let's see. For East Screen, we have the Bollywood blockbuster Wa Ra One, uh, and then uh, the Taiwanese hit You Are the Apple of My Eye. And for West Screen, we have the sci-fi film In Time. Hmm. All right. So all that and much more coming up right after a little bit of news. All right, so I lied. We don't really have any news this week. <laughs> but I just wanted to play the intro. Freak me out. Okay. To kind of keep us uh, on track. And, uh, I mean, uh, there's just too much going on, really, to keep up with stuff, with with what's going on with you in the festival. But I will say this. Uh, iPhone 4S got uh, a very short window of release here uh, online at the online Apple Store on, uh, I want to say it was Friday. And uh, I had it. I had it there in my little cart it was in my cart, and I was trying to check out, and the first time I had it, I forgot to get the uh, Apple protection, 
plan. So I went back to put the Apple protection plan in my cart, and then I went to check out again, and it wouldn't let me check out. It gave me an error page. So I went back, and by the when I went back, I went back to the cart, ran to grab my credit card, and then at, between the time I ran to grab my credit card and I came back, my cart had been automatically emptied of the 4S. Ooh. The, 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 the Apple Ooh. Care was still there. And so then I went back to the original page, and at that point, what had previously listed as two to four weeks shipping um, was now listed as currently unavailable. And it's been that status ever since. So very disappointed. Um, hey. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, it, it was going to be huge. And yeah, it's sad that you know a lot of people probably aren't even going to be using the phone. Yeah, yeah they well, they, on the, I'm not sure if they're doing this in other countries i looked at the singapore store and they're they're at the same status they're they're currently unavailable um i'm not sure how they did this in the u.s store but for us they had a limited uh purchase option of up to 10 units but i think 10 units who's going to be buying 10 units except people who want to resell them to the gray market you know make it one or two um you know and and you know make people have to you know, do a different order for each one or something to kind of, I don't know, limit the, limit the people who want to resell stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm going to have to wait. Probably, I, I'll i be surprised if I can get one before Christmas. I was hoping to be able to, but. Uh, Did you put in a, an order of Smart Tone? No, because Smart Tone, um, if you look at their site, you've got to put in the order. And if you want to break the order, um, it's a $500 charge. Uh, Hong Kong mm-hmm. dollars, 500, 500 Hong Kong dollars, which is about uh, uh, 60 to $70 US, I guess. Yes. And, you know, if you look at the way they break it down, they've got this premium plus customers. They get first pick. They get they get them first. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what that is, what that kind of membership means. Then existing customers will get the second batch. And then new customers uh, fall in line behind that. So there's like no guarantee. I mean, I could you could put in that order and you know, maybe you won't get it until January. Who knows? Right? But then you might see one on the street at an at another provider in the Apple store in December. So you're gonna have to sit there and wait or take a five hundred dollar hit. And I was thinking, I don't know, it's just not I don't wanna I don't wanna take that risk. You know. For the opportunity to be able to switch from free to smart tone, I think it's worth it. Sorry, yeah. it's a Hong Kong. There's a Hong Kong living well, in Hong Kong. Well, the two big providers in Hong Kong are smart tone and three. I'm with three for my current iPhone 3G, um, which is about ready to be put in the ground, and my iPad. I have three with both. And I signed up, I registered with three, um, and they're supposed to contact me when you know they have one available for me. But I did that with the iPhone 4. And they didn't contact me until, I want to say, like six months after it was, like, readily available everywhere. So they're really not on the ball. If you go to the if you go to the three website right now, they're still just taking, you know, registration for notification. They're not even taking pre-orders like um, Smarttone is. So well, that's because free has terrible customer service. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but really, I just wanted to buy an unlocked one because I didn't want to be roped into a two-year contract. Uh, I wanted to get an unlocked one, just get a short-term one-year contract, and then see what happens with the iPhone 5. That was my plan. And that's probably still going to be my plan, so I'll just have to wait. But that's not really news. That's just me griping about the <laughs> iPhone 4S and the fact that I won't have Siri on my side helping me out with things like this show. All right, I'll be able to say, Siri, 
help me do my podcast and she'll yes, say but, no siri can help you do a podcast but it can't help you find a good restaurant around around, around central because it doesn't have the map feature yet yeah is so. there but that's the question is there a good restaurant around central i don't know <laughs> um all right that's that's for another show though so here we're going to talk about some movies so no news let's get into our movies All right, so our e- first East Screen film up for this week is um, the new Bollywood feature, uh, Ra One. And this is, it was a holiday film, right? It was uh, released. Yeah, for Diwali. I yeah, think, for Diwali, like the Diwali holiday, which is pretty big. And we got, uh, um, we were really lucky to sort of get in a- at some early screenings that were held here in Hong Kong that are not like general release screenings. They're like special screenings for um, the... Um, the what would you call it the Desi or the Hindi or not they're, they're, they're not on Hindi I guess um, the Indian community that lives here in yeah. Hong Kong um, and you got the tickets for us at where? Yes. At, a, at a shop in Chungking Mansion it's yeah. essentially the equivalent of the Chinatown theater in America you know you have a very local local organizer uh, making you know Indian or Indian organizers making films available for Indian audiences and has happened to kind of run into the news that they were doing Route 1 yeah. Which is how I yeah happened upon this. Um, but yeah, so, I go to a store in the corner of Chunking Mansion, second floor. It's not one that you just stroll around the mall, you'll find. You have to actually know where you're going. And yeah, I went in there and bought the tickets. And it's quite popular because there's, there's always other people trying to buy tickets when I'm there. Yeah. Um, well, we got we got a chance to get in and see it. And um, well, let, let's talk about a little bit what it's about. So Shah Rukh Khan, who we last talked about, I think around the same time last year, when we talked about the film My Name is Khan. Uh, he stars in basically two leading roles. He first stars as a character named uh, uh, Shankar Subramaniam, uh, who's sort of like a computer whiz tech guy working for uh, a big uh, tech development and games development corporation. Um, but he's a little bit of a bumbler. He's kind of like a Mr. Bean kind of character in many ways. Um, but basically, he lives to impress his son, and his son thinks he's the most uncool dad in the world, and um, his son's very much into anti-heroes. His dad always makes games with very sort of traditional good guy heroes, and his son really likes anti-heroes. And in his, in, in his room, for example, he's got posters of um, Kratos from God of War and, and things like this. So um, Shankar gets inspired to create a new game, with a really bad uh, villain, anti-hero, um, in it. And the goal in this video game is that the, the, the player will take on the role of, of a character who must try and defeat this villain, and it's, they make it very, very uh, difficult. And the villain's name is actually the name of the title, which is um, Rawan, or as they say it with a, a slightly a bit of an accent, it comes out as Ravan, right? And that's actually the name of a... Of a, I think it's a Hindu deity of destruction, and so this sort of has like the devil. Or yeah, it sort of has cultural different cultural uh, representations, both being sort of this new the, this new digital character, but at the same time representing some some more um, inward aspects of, of Indian culture. So I really like that aspect of it. Um, now to defeat uh, this character. Um, characters, they have an opposing character called G1, which originally stands for good one, and, but when they say it, they, they pronounce it as uh, Jivon, which is 
sort of a similar idea, but representing goodness. Um, so when they design the, the, the computer graphic of the character for Javan, um, they make it look like uh, Shah Rukh Khan. So he ends up, you know, taking on this dual role of this video game character and the father. Um, his son's name is Pratik, and uh, he's very impressed by the video game. He really likes the video game, but the father really wants to impart him to his son, you know, messages about goodness and doing good and, and not being evil. Um, so there's a lot of morality that's caught up in what's going on in the story, and uh, it really does sort of play better for kids, more so um, than adults when you look at the main themes. But it's still pretty fun. I mean, basically, um, and there, there's this whole long inter um, intertext that goes on in the beginning where it's trying to relay this idea that they have now have this technology that allows uh, digital things to take on form that you can touch and, and feel. So there's all this digital data that's streaming through the air through our phones and our iPads and all these things. And they've come up with a technology to allow that to sort of coalesce and take physical shape that you can actually touch. And so this serves as sort of the foundational fabric of why these video game characters are able to break out into the real world. And that sets up the problem, um, is that Pratik, when he's battling Ravan, um, he doesn't get to finish his fight, and so Ravan decides to seek him out. And so he comes into the real world, you know, with the intention of destroying uh, Pratik, whose uh, his, his gaming name is Lucifer, uh, which, which is, you know, also a, a, a kind of strange illusion, um, obviously. But th that kind of sets up the basis for the story, and I don't want to re reveal too much in terms of some of the plot, uh, plot changes that go around, but as Ravan comes through, uh, Jivan comes through to protect uh, Pratik as well. You also have Karina uh, Kapoor as um, Sonia, uh, Pratik's mom, and Shankar's wife, and she was in Three Idiots, right? Yes, uh, she, Three she, Idiots. She, and, yeah. she was the lead in Three Idiots, and she's really, really good here. Um, you also have a, a fellow named Tom Wu, who plays Akashi, um, one of, uh, one of uh, um, Shankar's co-workers, and he's got a pretty big role, and, and a pretty interesting role, too, in that... Um, you know, he, he does a, a mixture of, you know, he speaks different languages and he, he does some Bollywood dancing himself. And he, but people constantly, I mean, it sounds like he's Japanese from his name, but uh, people constantly... But his character is Chinese. Yeah, they, people constantly refer to him as Jackie Chan in the film, <laughs> which he and both his mother don't, don't seem to like. Um, and it's really got an, a nice international feel. Um, so that's basically the story. You know, the video game characters... I, I just had this very long-winded explanation, but video game characters come to life and come into the real world and do battle. And, you know, so it's, it, that's it. It's a, it's, a, it's a big blockbuster. And in between, people do a lot of singing and uh, dancing. Um, you know, what more needs to be said? It, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's... The, the production value is very, very good. Recently, I, I don't remember which episode, but I, I talked about... Um, robot which was the big hit from like two or three years ago and you can find clips from robot all over the all over the web the effects here have made significant strides um, over that film in just a couple of years and if they keep going at this rate they're really going to be beating hollywood soon um and and as i said the film here the films here that they're doing this film in particular but even three idiots t to some extent 
have a really nice international flavor. Um, they don't seem like they're just trying to make films for um, the, the Indian population. They really seem to be looking to please audiences globally. And, and I kind of like that. I mean, I say that in comparison with films, some of the big films we see coming out of, you know, China, some of the Hong Kong, China um, mix, mixes that don't seem to have that same kind of focus. Um, and speaking of robot, there are, there's actually some in-joke references uh, to that film that will seem a bit strange if you haven't seen Robot. There, there's, a, there's a long sequence uh, that goes on that's a direct reference to uh, Robot. But again, mostly I think adults may have a hard time with this, either taking on the Bollywood aspects of it if they've never seen Bollywood film, or the fact that this really does play mostly for kids. Um, the, the fight sequences are you know, very good. There's really good special effects, but at the same time, um, it's not dealing with things in a, in an overly serious manner. I mean, there is some, there is some aspects and, and, and some cause and effect to violence that kind of goes into some of the morality that's being taught, but, um, it's not overly heavy, I would say. Um, the soundtrack, if you like Bollywood kind of music, um, has a nice mix. I liked most of the songs with the exception of there's a a mix of uh, Stand By Me uh, as a sort of a Bollywood remix that, uh, I mean, I've heard that song done in a lot of movies, and I just, it, it was kind of not working for me here. I liked the other music better. And they do do a mixture, like there's one song that sort of mixes and rap. There's a more traditional Bollywood-style song um, that's sung, and um, the dancing's really, really good, and they seem to get a lot of the, the supporting cast and characters involved as well. So it's not just... You know, it's just not, it's not just a Shah Rukh Khan show, even though he is center stage for much of the film. Um, but I'd say this, you know, this is definitely a see it. It's got great production values. It's fun. It's good for a family film um, if you can get your kids to read subtitles. And this is the future of cinema. I mean, according to, you know, the, the, the brick economic aspect, you know, the Brazil, Russia, India, China. This is the way things are going. This is, you know, the kind of things we can expect for popular culture in the future. I say bring it on. I mean, more of this, please. I'm, I've been really pleased this year between Three Idiots and this. Um, I'm excited to see more. Kevin? All right. Um, it's, I, I would call, and actually, if anything that comes before the intermission, I would say I think it's safe to spoil so I have to, I can say that this film is a cross between Future Cops, the Wang Jing film. Future uh, X Cops. No, not Future X Cops. Future Cops. Really? The one where they, the the super the street, fight, the, the street, street fighter, fighter game. Okay. The street fighter game. Because I was thinking Future X Cops. This was this is really like what Future X Cops wanted to be. Um, I think tone, tonally, I think it's what Future X Cops wanted to be. But story wise, there's no time traveling here. Mm. There's no, you know, monster of the week going on here. So I I, I wouldn't make the Future X Cops. Um, comparison, except for the tone they wanted to strike, but uh, I, I would say it's Future Cops meets Terminator Two, hmm. uh, and it, it's pretty clear in the second half of the film. Um, this film is essentially Shah Rukh Khan's um, D Wars, uh, not in the way that, not quality wise, but in that he actually um, had to build new special effects facility in order to get this film made because uh, the, the 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 technology that that the film needs is so still so out of the um, what was 
being done in Bollywood that he needed to build new facilities to get this film done. So it tells you how how much effort he put into this film. Um, and it looks and sounds great. The special effects are very impressive for a film that cost $30 million uh, US. Um, of course, that budget is fairly big for a Bollywood film, but uh, it's still, if you think about it in the context that it was shot in London, it was shot in Mumbai, you have all these stuff like flying cars and the special effects, uh, all the, all the uh, computer effects going on, especially... Um, with the effect of the game character turning to cubes and then cube turning back into to, to shape, that apparently that particular effect alone takes six days to render. So it, it's a very impressive effort. Um, the story is kind of ho hum. Um, you, I, I think Paul, you already put it in perspective, so I wouldn't want to. I don't want to go back to how it is, but um, it's okay. The story is nothing special. Uh, but it does have a bit of everything uh, romance action sci-fi uh except the sci-fi doesn't really make sense because you never really understand or how these game characters suddenly materializes it doesn't really make any sense and the least they try to explain it the better the film flows because you just kind of accept that they're there um shaka khan plays two roles um he plays the like I said the nutty professor guy right and uh, the game character who is kind of um, oh he also plays Akon because actually one of the songs uh, one of the songs is actually sung by Akon uh, the 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 African I think the African descent um, uh, R I don't want to say R and B singer I guess but yeah our Akon sings one of the song and Shaka Khan actually dubs it in the dance so he plays three roles in the film and he's and I think the the second one is better the Terminator like character is better the first one the comedy of the Afro and him hamming it up, the humor is okay, but I actually like him better as the the, the, the game character trying to learn the ways of the world. Um, and what was I going to say? Oh, and there's some really cultural humor, especially uh, about um, what's his name's wife? The uh, Shakar, yeah, Shakar's uh, wife, Sonia, trying to write a thesis about Tamil cuss words that didn't translate at all in the subtitle. So um, it's not exactly a total, you know, sellout against Bollywood film for, for you know, global audience. There's still a lot of very um, specific cultural jokes, uh, including the robot reference. Uh, yeah. By the way, after I saw this film, I went and bought a copy of Robot on DVD. Have so, you watched it? No, not yet, yeah, but I will. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. You know, it's interesting you bring up the that, that point about her being sort of this feminist, you know, scholar. Because that point is very quickly lost in the film, yeah. you know. She, she, you know, she, she quite often needs to be saved and rescued, and is is very much the housewife for a good portion of the film, you know. She really didn't have much to do, actually, considering how big Karina Kapoor is as a star, um, and she was in the movie that the last two movies that broke the box of its she was in Free Idiots, Bodyguard, and this, which makes her, you know, having been in films with all three big cons of the Bollywood cinema. But for that kind of, you know, star wattage, you know, I, I was surprised how little she really does in the film. Um, anyway, uh, but, you know, never, never, nevertheless, you know, Karina Kapoor is, is good. You know, she was, I enjoy seeing her in the film. Well, when you watch uh, Robot, you'll have to tell me who, who your preference is, um, Ashwari Rai or, or, uh, or Karina Kapoor? Oh, well. Because, I mean, they're pretty much both at the top of the box office, right? I mean, I don't know. Is, is 
Is Ashuari Arise time past? Um, is, that could be it. Is she Karina... being like being, being being replaced now by Karina? Who knows? I mean, I mean, Karina Kapoor didn't really begin her rise to the top until uh, Three Idiots. So that was two years ago, two or mm. three years ago. So I think she is the next big thing. Um, but I hope that you know that it doesn't kind of put her in. In doesn't it doesn't mean that she has to be in every big movie. It does, even in movies like this where she doesn't really have much to do, mm. and I would like her to have to do more. You know, not just be a name to to build to be on the marquee. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, I actually maybe because of Karina, I'm not sure why, but I had more fun with the non-action stuff. I know they're selling the big special effects. Um. And I was kind of waiting for it in the first 45 minutes. I was kind of like, oh, enough of the humor. Come on, let's get this show on the road. I know this movie's 150 minutes, but still, come on. But then, you know, once once that plot twist came and then everything else came along, um, I kind of like the non-action stuff better. The the comedy worked better for me. Um, I like the bond between Ji Wan and, and, uh, and, and the son. Um, and... Um, you know, maybe that's because I slept through the final fight. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> Everything before that was great. I mean, even the train, there's a train sequence that kind of reminded me of Spider-Man 2. Uh, I watch it, I was like, Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 2. That train sequence is great. Um, there's a lot of good, uh, even if it's computer-generated stunt work going on there and some spectacle, some destruction, nice destruction. But then by the time that final fight came out, I was like, oh, I was gone. But before that, I mean, all the non action stuff is great including the dance numbers uh, as ne- unnecessary as they are uh, I had a lot of fun watching them uh, and I guess they really they must be there because it's Bollywood and it's a big commercial film and uh, you know they're really fun to watch yeah. um, the, the one the thing pre- the one thing I'll say is the film is three hours yeah two and, and a half th- there's an intermission that pops up for like ten seconds you know it's like I wish we could get back to the days of at actually letting us have the intermission because I really had to go to the bathroom for the last half of the movie, <laughs> and I didn't want to leave. You know, as I didn't, I didn't want to leave. I would have missed some stuff. Yeah, I couldn't stand up because, well, because the the uh... actually it was funny because when the second, the last dance sequence came up, it was like bathroom break for everyone. It was like yeah. it was like one third a, of cinema. A I bunch of people were rushed out. <laughs> I yeah, saw yeah, that too. Out. And I'm like. Well, you guys are missing the, the dance. This is the best part of the movie. Yeah. You could just ran yeah. out when when he Shaka Khan is, is climbing on the side of the train. No, but you can't you can't miss the song. But <laughs> uh, you know, I thought it was kind of funny. But yeah, it is a little long. But you know, that's usual Bollywood length. Um, bodyguard the bang was like two two hours and ten minutes, and even that one had an intermission. I was a little surprised. I guess intermission is a big thing in in Bollywood. Mm. Uh, what did you think of three D Paul? This one is. Uh, it, you know, it didn't, um, I, you know, I, I, I kind of have a problem with 3D because of my eyesight anyway. But it, you know, I didn't need it. I don't think it really needed it. Um, there was nothing that stands out vividly in my memory as saying, oh, wow, that 3D shot was really great. I, I remember we were talking after the movie that uh, there's a shot where a guy shoots a flaming arrow right at the camera. And you'd mentioned that like somebody in the audience like looked behind them or something. Um, for me, it just it was sort of a non-effect. Yeah, I kind of I think it was because uh, the guy looked behind because I was laughing and it was how gratuitous <laughs> it was. Uh, he's like, "What were you laughing?" Because <laughs> I, I guess they were like depicting like a holy festival, so I shouldn't have been laughing. Yeah. Uh, 
But yeah, the 3D apparently was uh, the decision to convert 3D was in the middle was made in the middle of the post production process, I think. Um, so it wasn't something they planned while they're shooting. Mm. Um, but you know, it was it wasn't obtrusive. Uh, I hated the darker screen, of course, but um, you know, it, it's good to see what it's interesting to see what uh, Bodywood how Bodywood does 3D. I'm, I would be if Bodywood in 3D looks you know like this. This is the first try at doing full 3D. Then I would. I don't think this is the first 3D movie. But um. But anyway, if this is the Bollywood try at doing like a big, um, blockbuster in 3D, I would like to see a movie where they're shooting for 3D and to see what they can throw in the yeah. face. I don't think it's the first one. I think we talked about this. I want to say last year there was a horror movie that they did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you yeah. could actually see it all on YouTube. And I was talking a little bit about it at that time. So I think that was technically the first. Uh, 3D movie, um, I, but that I don't think was a musical. Right, right. Um, but, I'm not sure. Yeah, but nevertheless, I think this is a good good step to to seeing what block uh, Bollywood blockbusters would do if they were shoot for 3D. You know, because Bollywood films are not really known for their their subtlety. Yeah, <laughs> I I always have to turn down the volume of a Bollywood film when watching a DVD because they're so they're, the the sound is always so aggressive. Yeah, and they're so aggressive like, to see what they come up with when they like are doing it on purpose. Um, so you know, for people who know what they're expecting in a Bollywood film, this is very much you have you know way over the top action, uh, aggressive. Actually, this sounds a little less aggressive than I than I thought it would be, but um. You know, dance sequences, uh, a lot of kind of in jokes and and things like that. If you expect it, if you know what to expect, then I would say see it. It's really quite a fun film. Um, I, if you're interested in seeing what what Indian sci-fi is like, then I would also say see it. Uh, but for everyone else, I think you may want to TV it because this isn't really the the movie you want to approach Bollywood with. I guess yeah. you have to know, be be familiar with the conventions before. I'd say I'd say Three Idiots is probably one of the better films to do that with. Oh, I think so too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so, um, yeah, Raw and I had a fun film. By the way, you can actually yeah. buy a copy of Raw One already in Chunking Mansions. FYI. Legit? Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently it's a really yeah. bad print. Well, you can, but you can get a legit copy of the soundtrack on iTunes. Ooh. So. All right, so our next East Screen film for this week, uh, coming from Taiwan, if I have that correct, uh, You Are the Apple of My Eye. Uh, Kevin, can you tell us a little bit about uh, You Are the Apple of My Eye? Okay, uh, You Are the Apple of My Eye is the feature film debut of a very popular Taiwanese author uh, named Giddens. He started out as an internet novelist, and then his novel caught on, and then he became, you know, I guess, a legit novelist. Uh, and this is his um, autobiography. Um, he once directed a short film, part of an omnibus called L.O.V.E. Paul, have you seen L.O.V.E.? I think, you were you with us at the movie group screening? Uh, I don't think so, no. Okay, uh, 
I don't remember his installment either. Because, uh, but that was that one of his films. One of the films is his, and I don't remember it very well. So that can't be very good. Um, anyway, this is a like I said, this is an autobiography uh, based on his own high school days and um, his uh, kind of a romance with a classmate of his. Um, so you kind of know the ending firsthand uh, if you know Giddens at all. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's been a very huge hit in Taiwan, uh, partly because of Giddens' popularity and also because uh, how well Giddens apparently captures this high school period. Uh, the film stars a young actor. Let's see. Let me look at the, the actors list here. Uh, Ke Zhen Dong. Uh, this is first time I think acting in a film as uh, Ko Chin Tang, actually, which is Giddens' real name. Uh, of course, he's a high schooler uh, in Taiwan, a small town, and he has a group of friends, all all of whom follow a certain archetype. You have the fat kid, you have the the playboy, and then you have yeah the the nerd and things like that. Uh, but most of all, there's a girl named Shen Jiayi. Played by um, Michelle Chen, who was in uh, *Hear Me*, he, she plays the main character's sister. Have you ever seen that? She is the girl that all the guys wants to go out with. Uh, the bookworm, I guess, of the class, po- possibly the prettiest bookworm ever lived in the history of movies. Um, but yeah, she is the girl that everyone wants to go out with. And after a certain incident um, uh, that has something to do with you know masturbation in a classroom, I I did not say that wrong. Uh, Kuchington is is assigned to be under to be under supervision of Shinjai, and Shinjai's first I guess order of business to put him back on track is to make him study. So that sets off um, their 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 friendship, and um, even a possible possible romance. Uh, I'm not gonna go into much, but I can tell you that only the first half of the film is actually the high school coming of age stuff. The rest of the film is actually uh, more about the romance between the two characters. And I would say that the um, the school stuff really offers nothing new. You have a lot of crude jokes. It's kind of like an American sex comedy, the high school ones, you know, like American Pie. You have a lot of um, uh, sex jokes and, and, you know, like I said, the familiar archetypes. Except it's not as crude. I I would say this film falls somewhere between PG-13 and R. Depends on how conservative the, 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 the MPA is these days. Um, it could be a very light R, but uh, but definitely a very hard PG thirteen. Uh, you put it like that. Uh, in fact, it's actually the romance that works a lot better for me. Uh, the two the two stars, even though Michelle Chan is actually eight years older than than Ke Ko 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 oh, Ke Zhen Dong, uh, they're quite good together. And Michelle Chan really convinces you that this is a girl. Shin Jiayi is a girl, you know, worth falling in love with for. For the, the the amount of time the story spans, uh, covers, um, and it's apparently a lot of people relate to to this. I I myself kind of kind of brought back my own memories uh, with the romance, even though I never really had a girl like that. Our group, my group in high school, had a girl like that. I would say, um, so everything when everyone can pick a little bit of things to relate to it. Uh, Giddens' uh, sense of humor is also very. Uh, Kind of very direct, uh, in addition to being crude, and it's very immature in a way that you, he he knows what he's doing. He's not he's not immature himself, but he knows how to do immature humor. So it works for a lot of people. It's apparently works so well that 
it's already become one of the high, highest grossing Chinese language films in both Taiwan and Hong Kong. Uh, the film will be beating Sex and Zen 3D at the box office to become the highest grossing Chinese film of the year, uh, which is very impressive considering, you know, other, there is nothing, nothing of this genre has been this popular in Hong Kong. Uh, and I can't really quite put my finger on why this is it. Um, but anyway, you know, it's a, it's a good film. Um, it's certainly a much bigger step, uh, a much, much better than the, the short film that Giddens did. Uh, and he's very confident here, uh, his first film. Um, and obviously it's a very personal film, so he's very passionate about the subject, even though it's done in a style kind of pop cinema. You know, you, it is financed by Sony Music, so you have the, the, the a far four minute montage with the theme song at the end, and and um, you have a Jay Chow reference, a very loud little bit of Taiwan references. Very much about pop culture, and it's very connected to pop culture, but it's also a very personal project. Um, and you know, it's a I like the film. I, I can't say I love it as much. As other people, uh, apparently, when I watched it at the Hong Kong National Film Festival, I was surrounded by you know female, young female Giddens fans who cried their eyes out, and on the way out, they kept talking about going to see it again. So I guess I should have known at the time that it would be a big hit in Hong Kong. Um, because I like it a lot. It's it's not for for audience outside of Asia. It was going to be a TV hit because, uh, like I said, there's a lot of. Um, uh, cultural references, pop cultural references that they may not get, and to them it may just be another, you know, youth romantic comedy, uh, when it's more than that to some people, but um, now, just to catch the hype, I would say see it for everyone, see what everyone's talking about, and, you know, you may like it more than I suggested to be. So, Paul, have you seen the film? Yes, yeah. Uh, and it's a nice film. It, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, Like I said, I don't think I'd seen uh, Giddens' short film I'm not familiar with his, you know, writing work, but I think it's got a, you know, just a nice feel. It's got really good production value, too. Um, that's another thing I think that's maybe contributing to the success a little bit. I mean, it looks good. Um, they have some visual effects in places that are really nice, um, but nothing too heavy-handed. You're right, narratively, it's nothing that you really haven't seen before, but they do take a few twists and turns. And I think they kind of push the envelope um, with some things. You know, you mentioned it's kind of like a teen sex comedy. I, I agree. I was saying to some people um, that I, I, I think this fits nicely in the 80s in terms of, you know, films that came out in the 80s that were kind of relevant if you take out any sex, right? So I'm thinking of films like Porky's or Fast Times at Ridgemont High, you know, these, these stories about young guys in high school and coming to terms with their own sexuality and their own feelings with in, in relationships and things. But this is, you know, it doesn't, there's no real sexuality here aside from the, you know, the masturbation that you mentioned. And that's really taken over the top. Um, I know this is autobiographical, but I have a hard time believing that some of the stuff that, that was going on in this film was actually things that they did. And he's not maybe overarching it to be um more comedic you know what i'm saying right um it is not very taken seriously it's not like you know serious coming of age films yeah. like you know winds of september yeah or i mean yeah. there, there's a there's a scene that you know it's not really equivalent if you've seen porky's you know the very famous have you seen porky's no i haven't yeah, there, there's a very famous scene uh dealing with a piece of male genitalia in that you know it's i doubt anything like that ever happened but obviously it's based in some part on 
you know, some something similar, and it, and it gets a good laugh. And I, they have things like that here. Um, you know, the the scene where because you it does progress from high school to college, and it follows a nice progression in terms of time history. So like at one point, none of the kids have mobile phones, and then later they have like these old archaic mobile phones, and and you know there are a couple key points where certain things happened in points of history that are affecting the kids' lives. And, and I liked that aspect. It's, you know, it's, it's not quite as sweeping as something like, uh, you know, um, Peter Chan's Golden Chicken, right? But right. it does take place over a period of time that I think, you know, people from my generation and people from your generation can relate to and remember a little bit. Yeah. And I, I like that aspect of it. But, you know, the, the scene where the guys are at college in the dorm together, and they're all on a different computer. I'm just like, there's no way. I'm sorry. Guys would not, you know, get together and do that, would they? <laughs> Maybe. I guess they that's have a just, different... I don't know, that's experience. just weird. I mean, I don't know. Taiwan. <laughs> Maybe. The Taiwan culture. I don't know. Um, uh, yeah. I, it would I, do have some pretty wild times, I guess, in the dorms. Not my dorm, but, you know. Yeah. Guess, well, uh, the four, what was it? The four-legged monster that became the six-legged monster? You know, because... <laughs> I was telling, I was telling Gia, I was like, I could believe that, you know, I could believe something like that going on in a, in a, you know, a dorm or something. But that, that scene with the guys in the same room, all the different computers, <laughs> I'm just like, no way. <laughs> That's just too weird. I don't know. Um, but anyway, it, it was funny. You know, it, it got some laughs. It, it progressed nicely. The leads are attractive. You know, I, I do agree that, um, Michelle Chen was probably, um, a bit too pretty to be the, the the star, you know, class class pupil, you know, teacher's pet kind of, you know, the, what, 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 do you, what do you call that? The the head of the class or the class the monitor, prefect. the Is prefect, the, yeah, no, some, something. Like a prefect, anyway. Yeah, some something like that. The one that the teacher always gives the responsibility to. Um, yeah. You know, but it was you know it was still believable for the most part. It, it the fact that it is based on some reality sort of comes through, and the. Um, I can't remember her name, but the uh, uh, Wan Wan, the supporting Wan girl Wan. character, it, that's also based on a real person, I'm guessing, right? And and that she became uh, actually, a, a real yeah, writer. Wan Wan, uh, Wan Wan is a real internet comic artist yeah. uh, who plays a character that is using her real name, mm-hmm. but actually does not exist in the real Giddens life story. That Giddens is added in the story, but she is playing a person with her, share her name and I shares see. her fate. And then yes. th- there's also some jokes to reference with, to some famous people like Jay Chow. Yeah, there's a Jay and, Chow reference. And you uh, know, and, I, and also actually the real group, the real group, uh, Giddens and his buddies all appear in the final scene mm-hmm. at a certain wedding. Yeah, I'd say so. Actually, they all appear in the film. You know, so it's just you know, nice touches, nice twists and turns. Um, a, a couple don't make sense. I mean, there's a point. Uh, later in the film where the two main characters are 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 having a problem and i just it it didn't feel right to me for some reason it didn't feel like i don't know if it was the writing or the way that it happened i'm just like that this doesn't seem to make sense based on everything that's been built up to this point um but other than that i didn't really have much problem with it 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 was a fun film i'd probably see it again it's something I'll, i'll i'll definitely get on video later so i'd say See it, it's good quality cinema from Taiwan. All right, it's time for our West Screen film this week. Um, Now, this week we're going to be talking about 
the latest film from director Andrew Nicole, and that is In Time, uh, starring Justin Timberlake and Amanda Seyfried. Um, this is a film that's kind of in a, you know, a, a near-term alternative future in which aging has stopped, basically. Um, they've, they've genetically figured out the way to um, make people live forever. Um, but because of the concept of that, I mean, if, if, you, if people suddenly stopped aging and everybody could live forever, but people kept having babies, I mean, you can imagine the problems with overcrowding and, and a demand for resources that that would create. Um, so in order to make the system work, the powers that be, whatever powers those are, um, figured out that you could actually halt and and you you could you could continue the aging process through some kind of genetic genetic manipulation. So the way that this world works is everybody that lives to twenty five um, lives normally, and then when you reach twenty five, you have a year left, and you have a timer. That's you know this is a digital timer that's you kind of genetically through some kind of phosphorescent uh, manipulation, I guess, shows up in your arm. And so that year starts counting down. And you use that year as currency. Um, and anytime you want to buy something, anytime you want to, or anytime you do work, you add time to your currency, your, your time. Or if you go and buy a coffee, you know, that might cost you four minutes. And so you, you know, all your transactions occur in, based on this time. So this sets up a world where some people have hundreds of years, thousands of years, um, could literally live forever. And of course, the, the masses, the majority of the people, um, are struggling to, you know, find, to keep their clocks running uh, day in and day out. And when your clock runs out, your body just stops working and you die. Um, so it's a, it's a very dystopic world uh, that, that we're shown. I think it's a really great premise. Um, and in, into this world, we meet uh, the main character, uh, Will Salas, played by Justin Timberlake. And some of the problems that he encounters and just trying to make it day by day. And his mother, um, who looks as young as he does, because, again, people stop aging at, 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 this, at this age, um, 25. So everybody, there, there are no old, pe old people, which I, I think is kind of a, a neat concept. And they play with that a little bit. So here you have Justin Timberlake telling... Um, um, telling this, you know, woman who looks like he could be his wife, it's, it's actually his mother calling her mom, and they have an interesting relationship. Um, but something happens, and he encounters an individual. Uh, he, he saves an individual from uh, a group of thugs called Minutemen who go around stealing people's time. They're, they're just basically like a gang. Um, and this man has 100-plus years of time, and he decides he doesn't want to live anymore, so he gives all of his years uh, to Will. And Will uses that currency to leave the zone that he's in, which is a very poor zone, and to go to the penultimate zone, which is, I can't remember what it was called, Greenwich or something like that? Um, yeah. For Greenwich, so. Greenwich Mean Time. Um, so there's a lot of time-based references in here. And in Greenwich is where all the rich people live. And so he goes, but um, soon he finds out that um, he's not going to be able, able to stay because people think that he's actually committed a murder. And so he's forced out of the system, and he decides to, at that point, rebel. And, um, and in doing so, he, he meets up with um, Sylvia Weiss, um, who's the daughter of one of the biggest time bankers um, in, in, in this universe, in this world. 
And she finds Will very charming and also very exciting. And she decides, um, at first unwillingly, but then later willingly, to sort of go on the lamb with him. And they are pursued by um, Cillian Murphy, who's a timekeeper. He's a, he's a police officer, basically, in this world. Um, and so the chase is on, and that sets the premise for the film. And the two are, you know, running, trying to keep their own times up and um, deciding how they can help people uh, in this dystopian world. Um, so it's a great concept. It's very, very topical. It's a mixture of maybe one part Robin Hood, one part uh, Bonnie and Clyde, with a little bit of uh, the miserable ones, you know, Les Miserables. Uh, thrown in, and maybe a touch of Clockwork Orange. I, I saw some elements there. Um, I thought Justin Timberlake was 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 very attractive. He's a very attractive lead. I think he's got talent. I love it when he shows up on things like Saturday Night Live, and I thought he did really well with the role he was given. I mean, he's not a outstanding actor, but he's able to carry his own, and I think he's got a charisma at, at, that fit this role quite well. Um, I didn't care for the female lead, all that much, um, Amanda Seyfried. Um, she kind of grew on me towards the end, but for, I'd say, 90% of the film, it was just, she was just this uh, whiny rich girl that I just really, you know, was. I kept hoping her clock would run out at some point. Um, <laughs> and and I, I'm not going to say if it actually does or not, because I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, it didn't run out fast enough for me. I'll put it that way. Um <clears throat> So I didn't really care for her too much, but the tone and the pace here are what I really like about Nicole Films. Um, you know, you'll if you've seen his work before, things like uh, um, The Truman Show or Lord of War or my favorite film of his, uh, even to this day, is uh, Gattaca. Um, it's, it's one of my all-time favorite films, uh, not just from him, but from any director. And I'd say this film is not quite as good as Gattaca, it, it lacks some of the subtle touches that Gattaca has, and, and Gattaca moves along in a fairly quiet way, and this is a bit more of an action film. Um, but that being said, there's not a whole lot of action here. Um, and the performances are not as, I don't know, they're just not as finely tuned, I'd say, as Gattaca was, and the way that the three characters, the three main characters in Gattaca operated, and the world that Gattaca created. This seems like a an interesting offshoot, you know, in the way that Gattaca was very much a dystopian world, but in a much more polished way it was depicted. This world is a lot more grittier and grimier. Um, and this, the soundtrack too, uh, I, I was soundtrack for Gattaca is one of my favorite soundtracks. The soundtrack here is not quite, not as inspired. I, nothing really st stuck out at me, but there's some interesting parallels. There's a swimming sequence um, very short in this film that kind of is a throwback to the, the, the swimming sequences between uh, the main character and his brother in um, in Gattaca. Um, not so much a race, but sort of like characters getting to know each other in a very short sequence that's here. Um, but I'm not sure if many Americans are going to like this film, because at its core, it's really got a strong socialist message. And, you know, that seems to be kind of what's going on in the world right you know it's um you know the things like the 99 percent and the one percenters and you know we don't want socialism or we do and and this is a very strong socialist message so i'm not sure if it's going to appeal 
to a lot of Americans. I think it'll, I think Europeans will love it and Canadians will probably love it. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a true socialist. I'm more libertarian than anything, but I love it. I think it's uh, a great film and I'd say, see it. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. I would like to see it again at some point and I'm sure I will. Kevin? Uh, I think I like it a little less than you or a lot more less than you. Uh, <laughs> I think the, the premise is great and relevant to the times. Like you said, the, the Occupy Wall Street movement and, and the fight against greed. It's a great idea um, and it's a great concept. And I love the first 45 minutes when they you know kept exploring it, when they were revealing the world to you and I like, like looking at this world. But a little more background would have been nice. Like, really, who who would tolerate this kind of system in the first place? And, and you know, a little more detail into the world. Um, right now, it just seems like they took LA and they made this world out of it. And it didn't really jump out at me as, like, this other world that, you know, that really convinced me as an other world. Um, and I think the premise is wasted by the story. The on-the-run, the Bonnie and Clyde, Robin Hood thing didn't really work for me. Um what kind of story would it fit this story, this premise better? I think the Robin Hood stuff is fine, but the whole thing where he, you know, um, the the main character will will when he's you know accused of being a murderer and he's on the run and, and it doesn't you know that whole fugitive stuff didn't really work for me. Um, Justin Timberlake is fine. I think he's he's, a, he's becoming a better better actor. Um, he was great in Friends with Benefits, and it's nice to see him as a dramatic lead here. I can't say that you know he's this movie will make him a star or anything because the role doesn't really demand that to that demand that of him. Um, but I think he's fine. Um, and I think the biggest, the most disappointing thing next to the story here is that I know that Nichols has done, um, visually appealing, visually, um, intriguing things like the opening sequence of Lord of War, which is absolutely amazing. But here the movie, why does this movie look so flat? You know the action is flat. The, the 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 set the art direction is flat. Um, the the direction the the camera movement is all everything is kind of flat and ho hum and and almost too normal to be good. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. I mean, one of the things that struck me about this film was I I saw some parallels to um, you know like Metropolis in some mm-hmm. ways and the way they're trying to they're trying to represent the division between the working class and the owners. Um, and I kept waiting for there to be this this sort of dynamic shift. Um, so as you as you know as you see um, Justin Timberlake's character go from the zone he's in, I think it was Zone Twelve or something, which is really this washed out and gray kind of area. I thought it was visually going to shift when he got to the the Greenwich Zone, but it didn't. You know, even that area was still kind of dull and. And and not very exciting and yeah it was just like one part of L A and then he goes downtown L A yeah but you know just <laughs> really strange like they didn't have money to 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 shoot outside like a five mile five mile radius or something yeah um and that's really my biggest problem is that it didn't it didn't strike my imagination it it's not you know a sci fi film should bring you into this new world convince you this world exists and and. It didn't do any of that, um, and I think that's what really disappointed me. It was so the movie was flat, and and in turn, the the story for me was kind of flat. Yeah. Um, some of the other ideas, including including the, um, I guess that world's version of a of an arm arm wrestling match. Uh, it's I thought that was kind of silly, the whole idea of a fight 
um, between between people who have times. I, I think it's it was kind of silly. I, you know, I it's it's original and it's interesting and and you know props to I have to use that language slang props to to Nico for coming up with an original idea that's not really based on any existing material, but. Um, some of this is kind of silly, and I would like to see him work it out a little more into the film. Um, otherwise, the premise is again, I think the premise alone is good enough for a TV at, at least. Hmm. Uh, but I don't think it's really good enough for a theatrical theatrical recommendation. Hmm. Yeah, a couple things I will say. Um, there were a couple characters I thought were a bit underutilized, and um, Cillian Murphy. I mean, he does have a lot of screen time, but he was a really kind of intriguing character that i wanted to see more of and yeah kind of the way that the, the the latter you know quarter of the film it drifts away from him and just kind of uses him as this uh this plot device that i think wasn't really as as in it what it didn't work as well as the character could have in in you know different circumstances yeah. Um, also, too, Johnny Galecki has a small role as um, as uh, Justin Timberlake's uh, Will Salas's best friend. And Johnny Galecki, you may, if you follow things like um, Big Bang Theory, um, you know he's 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 been around a while. He was on Roseanne and stuff like that. But um, he has an, an interesting little role. But then he suddenly, you know, something happens. It's like, wait, what? And and it's just, <laughs> you know, it's it kind of casts off characters in, in a way that I that they don't in Gattaca. You know, it's like the, the characters in Gattaca, even the supporting characters, seem to get more attention. than, And maybe it's because this was trying to be an action film. And so it took that that aspect of the of just throwing characters away um, at certain points. Um, but uh, I, I was kind of hoping for more from a lot of these supporting characters. Um, but then, you know, the... the, the the concept of the fight scene, I mean, I yeah, it's kind of silly, but then it makes me wonder, the way they're doing transactions, there has to be some kind of a, of a volition about it. You know, there has to be some kind of willpower involved. If, mm-hmm. I'm, if I'm transferring to you your time or you're transferring time to me. And so if on either end there's that willpower engaged, it becomes a battle of wills somehow how do you reflect that on camera, right? You just have to yeah. deal with it in sort of like an arm wrestling kind of way. <laughs> yeah, I like, I like the, the transaction of time. I like to see the scene that where, you know, you have constantly people who are like, oh shit, I just gave you extra 15 seconds because I got to turn my arm off. Yeah. No, I want my 15 seconds back. <laughs> give, me my, give me my money back, you know? Because it's, yeah. it's, it's like, um, essentially the idea is like, you know, pumping gas, but like, you know, the manual pumping gas yeah, where you kind of have to guess where to stop. That's you know, what, like that's how, 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 how do you, go, yeah. how do you be, you know, I guess it's all mental, but it's like, yeah, how are, how can you be so precise about it? It's like, yeah, here, yeah. Kevin, I'm going to give you 45 seconds and not a second more and not a second less, right? Um, so yeah, it's just some interesting stuff that I think they could have spent some more time on, um, and instead of some of the more typical action on the run kind of stuff, I, I do agree with that part, but I still had fun with it. I'd still say, see it. Kevin says TV it. I stick with that. Yeah. There you have it. You're listening to the East screen, West screen podcast. Visit Comcast.com for more.
All right, let me throw this bumper in. You're listening to the East Screen, West Screen podcast. Visit Kongcast.com for more. All right, a couple quick comments. Um, we've we've kind of been out of comments because of the nature of our recordings recently. Um, we haven't mentioned it. We didn't mention it on the last show because it was a special show. Uh, but a couple weeks ago, Teen Lun Lao, Gary, wrote in to talk about um, our review of... Um, uh, Life Without Principle? Yeah, Life Without Principle, sorry. So he wrote in to talk about our review of Life Without Principle, and the comment that I had made where I'd said, you know, Lao Ching Wan's character was asking a little bit like he had Tourette's. Um, he said, actually, that question was brought up to Johnny Toe in a Q&A session. And Johnny Toe said, no, it's just that that's the, his, that character's way of responding to situations where he doesn't know what he's doing or situations where he's under extreme amounts of pressure. Um, so that's an interesting, you know, interesting character choice. Um, but, you know... It, it, it still looked like Tourette's to me, but I've had a couple friends who've had Tourette's, and uh, they tended to do that uh, on occasion. But, you know, Lao Chunwan's character doesn't do it all the time. So I guess it's just a character quirk that the director chose to give him. An interesting choice. Um, from our last episode, um, our Halloween special, uh, Matt S. wrote in. He says, um, speaking of cre- creepy Asian movies suitable for Halloween viewing, uh, Dream Home is currently available for streaming on Netflix says, I thought I'd been desensitized to movie violence over the years, but holy crap. <laughs> and yeah, I agree. Um, that's a hard movie to take. A um, lot of violence, and regardless of your desensitization level, um, unless you're somebody who watches the most hardcore of the most hardcore, there's probably some stuff in that movie that will make you uh, have a pause or two. It certainly did for me. It's still a great film. I think it's one of the, you know, um, better Hong Kong movies to come out in a long time, but myself once was enough, and um, I don't think I'd buy it. Don't think I'd watch it again. Um, Kevin, do you have it? Yeah, I, I bought it on DVD, and then I gave up my copy for someone else, and then I bought the Blu-ray. Mm. <laughs> so now I actually I think that that you know hard to take comment applies to the first half of the film where the violence is very real, very horrific, especially with the you know pregnant woman for crying out loud, but. I, I I was I thought it was hilarious at how crazy it got in the second half. I really? thought it was just I, I, I kind of laughed. The at second it half was just too so over the top it. for me. I mean, I know that they were trying to go for that, but it was, it was I don't know. I, I extreme violence and it's not torture porn, but even you know torture porn I have a problem with these days. So, although I love well, the, I, I love the porn. original Saw. Um, I, I don't know if you'd qualify the original Saw as torture porn though. Uh, but that is the beginning of torture porn, isn't yeah. it? You know, the whole kind watching of, yeah. people, yeah. yeah, watching people being pained for you know yeah. pleasure things. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, Gary writes back. He says, "I marathoned through The Walking Dead just to get in the mood for Halloween. I found out TVB's airings were censored, so I'm going to watch it all over again. I, I, I'm surprised. He's downloading it. TV TVB is uh, watching is airing uh, The Walking Dead." Yes, so um, you, you if you're showing on TV, you guys expect it to be censored. Yeah. Just like I didn't watch any any HBO things on on TVB. Yeah, right. I'm I, I loved the first season of Walking Dead, and I got the DVD. 
Um, but the Wrong. second <laughs> season is just balls to the wall boring so far for me. Um, I just have not gotten it. They, they've really diverged a long way away from what I read in the comics. I haven't read all the comics, but uh, I read a good way into them. And, uh, and just, uh, I don't know. It's, it's not doing it for me this season. Uh, I'll, I'll keep up with it, but uh, I hope things change gears fairly soon. Uh, or just bring back Game of Thrones already. I, yeah, I don't want to really, watch it. Yeah, really, please. <laughs> just, just bring back Game and, of Thrones. You know, I think Fringe started back up today. That's been off for a couple weeks, so I'll be happy with that. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, our comments. If you'd like to write a comment, you can uh, write us, uh, send us an email or write us at the website. Um, of course, we hope that you are listening to our show. You can listen to our show through all the traditional means. You can also find us over on Stitcher. Uh, which will allow you to listen to us without having to download the show, per se, on your iPhone, Android phone, your BlackBerry, and your WebOS phone, and even your iPhone 4S, which I don't have. Uh, Yeah. But Stitcher is smart radio for your phone. Find it in your app store or at Stitcher.com. Stitcher smart radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. Um, So, yeah, if you'd like to comment, please do get in touch with us through our website. You can go over there and leave some comments and get involved in the conversation. Um, you can drop us a comment over on iTunes. You can talk with us over on, uh, on uh, Twitter. Uh, you can follow us at twitter.com slash concast, or you can follow Mr. Ma himself, the golden rock, twitter.com slash the golden rock. That's one word, the golden rock. Uh, you can also drop us an email, uh, eScreen at gmail.com is the address. And if you'd like to, you can leave us, you know, uh, an email there, we might read it here on the show, or you can drop us an audio file if you'd like to do a short film review or just ask a couple questions, and we'll play them here on the show. Um, so yeah, I think that's a show, Kevin. What do you say? Yeah, sure. <laughs> if you say we so, are, yeah. we are completely off our rocker. We're all, we're off our normal schedule. I'm not sure when we'll be back to our normal schedule. I hope to have uh, some semblance of a normal schedule up on the Google Calendar for the show. Uh, in the weeks to come, but uh, we're just going to have to wait and see because Kevin's been busy, I've been busy, and it's the holiday season, so things aren't slowing down. But we'll try at least to keep up our shows uh, at some point during the week. I'm not sure when we'll be back to our regular schedule and be able to have some live uh, recordings going on, but hopefully fairly soon. Um, So yeah, let me say thanks really quickly to uh, Rob Gobbers from Schnauzer Studios for our theme music, to Ross Chen of LoveHongKongFilm.com who always keeps us motivated and out in Hong Kong watching films together. To Kevin for sticking around and coming in on a Saturday to do the recording, even though he's got lots of other films to watch, and he's got parents coming into town, is that right? Yep, tomorrow. Yeah. Um, So you're still a busy man. Of course, thanks to all of you, the listeners out there, for listening, for writing, for commenting, and for just taking part in our little show. Um, next episode, episode 89, I have no idea what we're going to be talking about. What do you think, Kevin? Um, Talk about movies. Yeah, That's but uh, there's just so much stuff coming out. I don't know. We've got uh, the Musketeers movie, maybe I've heard. Uh, Starry, Starry Night, is it? Yes, Starry, Starry Night, which I liked yeah. a lot. Uh, we talk about Tower Heist. Tower the, Heist, the ocean, yeah. Which I, I call Ocean's Eleven for dumb people. I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I'll get out to see that. Um, I was, Hong Kong Ghost Stories was out uh, right around Halloween. I saw that. Uh, maybe we'll talk about that, too. Um, other stuff coming down the pipe. Tintin. I've heard. Very excited to see that. Um, and we've got several new Hong Kong movies coming in the, in the next couple weeks. So it's just going to be busy. 
Uh, but we'll do our best to keep up. And for our next show, once we know what we're doing, I'll put it up on the website. Until then, we just don't know. Um, but all of that, whatever that is, and much more, will be on our next show. Until then, this is East Screen, West Screen, wishing you good viewing, and we'll see you next week. See you next time, everybody. Uh-huh.